It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey guys, welcome to the Stinking Truth Podcast alongside Mike Evans. I am Mark Schlereth, Scott the Hub, producing the show. Millennial Ben helping out as well. Got a great program for you today, including Question Mark. All brought to you by the great folks over at Sweet Sweat for all your home workout needs and all your nutritional needs. Check them out. That's Sweet Sweat. I'm telling you what, my daughter works there. I get all kinds of stuff from Sweet Sweat. Unbelievable. From supplements and protein powders and all that kind of stuff to exercise bands and and the like. Sweet Sweat. Check it out at SweetSweat.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm like a lot of people, anxious to you know hopefully get some sports back here pretty mm-hmm, soon mm-hmm. and wondering how it's going to look like. Did you see, by the way, this uh, reported Miami Dolphins plan for uh, when we have football, if we have football in the fall, the idea of being able to have fans in the stands but not a full house, that they're putting together a plan in which social distancing figures to still be a, a, a big part of what's going on for all of us. And so instead of having 65,000 people at a game, uh, they're talking about a plan in place where they'd have about fifteen to 20,000 people. And people would be sitting in the stands, you know, separated by at least six feet. Uh, they would enter the stadium uh, at different times, they would exit, like you know, when you leave a church. You know, not everybody leaves; right. they go pew by pew. So, what what do you? How do you think that's going to go over? There, there are plenty of cities. There are plenty of cities where they <laughs> they have plenty of space <laughs> during games. But what about those places, like right here in Denver, where they never have trouble selling out seventy five thousand? How are you going to convince, let's say, Bronco fans, Bronco season ticket holders? Yeah, only about fifteen to twenty thousand of you can come to the game. Right. So meaning, you know, another 60 to, you know, uh, you know, 60,000, 55, 60,000 people are going to be be, you know, kind of out. You're, I, I imagine you're going to have to do some type of lottery. But then do you get an extra like are you weighted more heavily if you've been going to games for 30 years? Right. And then what if they say, hey, you know, because of um, because of this virus's effect on older, the older population and, you know, the the significant increase in in um, deaths from an older population, over 60, like if you're over 60, you've been going for 30 years, hey, you're not going to be allowed in the stadium anymore. Yeah. Like, Hello, like, age, dis- age discrimination suits. <laughs> yeah. Here we yeah. go. I mean, it just is, I mean, it, it is a mess. So for teams like the Broncos who, you know, have got a 20-year waiting list for crying out loud, this is, this is going to be one of those situations where it's just, uh, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough situation. And then, you know, for teams like, the Jaguars, you're going to have to figure out how to get seven more thousand people to come to the game. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, how yeah. are we going to get 15,000 people here? Ja- Jaguar fans, please direct all inquiries to one Mark Schlereth. Okay? Yeah, no, don't do that. It's fine. You guys know that you don't really go to I, And I understand why. I understand it's not good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that I think that we – have to prepare for the I, I just I just have a hard time and I you know the thing you got to remember is that we're we're all about what not even fully two months into all of this which is stunning that you consider it, it seems so much longer than that so uh, think about all the things that have happened in in two months up until this point so who knows where we're at two months from now but right. man I just have a hard time where we're sitting right now believing that come September, 
that uh, whether it's college football on Saturday or pro football on Sunday, that we're just going to have stadiums all across America filled yeah. with 75, 80,000 people. Yeah, I do too. I mean, there's, I mean, it, it's hard to – where you sit right now, it's hard to imagine all of a sudden things just, you know, okay, we're good now, everybody go, just, you know, put your mask on and, and let's roll out to the stadium. Um, yeah, I find that one – I find that one hard to believe. So we'll see exactly what happens. Although, I, I don't know if you watched any Korean baseball, you know, the the KBO uh, on uh, – it was on ESPN yesterday. Um, but I'm not you know, that they, desperate yet, Mark. You're not? Not, not well, yet. I, Okay, so I watched the KBO. I, I, I watched uh, several innings uh, of, a, of baseball yesterday. It was good. It's good baseball. I mean, it's actually really good baseball. Um, but, you know, I was like, wow, is there a crowd there? Because they were, like, from a TV product standpoint, they were pumping in crowd noise. So I'm like, oh, they got the, you can hear the crowd. You know, the ambient noise of the crowd going and everything. Go, and it was great. It was awesome. And then... You know, all of a sudden, some guy hit one deep, you know, deep warning track kind of distance. And, you know, they, they go to the outfielder, and the outfielder camps underneath it. And there is not soul number one in the stands. And so, you know, obviously, um, from a TV product, though, you don't re- – until they flash to the stands, which, you know, they'll try to stay away from as much as possible, you don't notice. Like, it just feels like a game. They're just pumping in crowd noise. I thought it was – you know, I thought, I thought it was very watchable, Mike. All right. Well, I'm ready for I'm definitely ready for sports, even if it means empty stadiums. I'm I'm definitely ready. Uh, I think I think we all are. Bring bring it on, even if it means mm-hmm. nobody in the stands. Now, the NFL never short of topics. Uh, the 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 juicy one that I think caught a lot of us off guard was Andy Dalton landing in Dallas, right. of all places. And I I can't help but think that Jerry Jones is sending a not-so-thinly-veiled message to Dak Prescott. Yeah, although he said there's no message intended, wow. right? Oh, yeah. there, there's no, there is no message intended. He was like, I, uh, uh, I've been thinking about it a lot in the shower, and there's no message. Uh, no, I mean, of course, of course he is using this as leverage, Mike. There's, I mean, there is no question about Okay, so – Let's just go through the timeline here, right? So Dak Prescott was a fourth-round draft choice. He's a free agent. They ended up franchising. Before they franchised him or or after they whatever it was, there were multiple contract offers made to Dak Prescott, right? Multiple contract offers that were leaked to the press. Now, here's what I know about NFL players. They do not, and and agents that represent NFL players, in the midst of a negotiation, they do not leak the the parameters of the contract to the general public, especially the ones that they're not going to sign because it ruins your ability to negotiate, right? Why were these contracts leaked on several different occasions? Well, they were leaked because the Cowboys leaked them to put pressure on their player to make him look like he's being greedy to hope to sign said player. There's no other reason to do it, Mike. When you release some ginormous fake number out there to the general public, what you're saying is, look at how greedy this player is. We're making him the highest paid player ever, right, or whatever it is. I mean, the Washington Redskins did it multiple times to Kirk Cousins, and then the general manager got in there and called him, you know, called him Kurt, 
<laughs> right? Yeah. So, I mean, this is what teams do. They basically pit you against your own fan base to say, look how greedy this guy's being. And ultimately, what I think about Dak Prescott is, one, why would you ever sign a contract for less guaranteed money than the one Jared Goff signed or the one Carson Wentz signed? You shouldn't. You should you should you should elevate yourself above those two guys. Your play has been as consistent, if not more consistent, and better than those two guys. So you should you should definitely set the bar at the next level. I mean, that to me, it is not Dak Prescott's responsibility to manage the Cowboys cap. And when players, ex-players come out and say, well, he should take a little bit less because, you know, he can make it back on marketing deals. How are those marketing deals going right now with the state that we're in with this pandemic? Uh, I would imagine not very good. The other thing, the other thing about these contract negotiations is teams always cry, you know, cap constraints when they don't want to pay you. But as soon as they want to pay somebody, you know what they do? They find money by renegotiating other contracts. So I don't buy into cap poverty and cap constraints, you know, preached by teams because I think it's a bunch I think it's a bunch of hooey. So, you know, I I mean again, to me, figure out a way to pay Dak and and this is just another negotiating ploy to say, "Hey, you better watch out because we got Andy Dalton now and and, you know, he'll compete with you, you for your job. Well, and, and the other, I guess, uh, offshoot tangent to this whole Dalton to Dallas is that we all kind of figured Dalton would go to New England. So <laughs> it looks like, Mark, mm-hmm. Belichick is serious about going with former Auburn fourth-round choice Jarrett Stidham to uh, carry on the legacy. Yeah, isn't that wow. amazing? Now, is he is he does he genuinely believe that Jared Stidham can you know be be more than suitable, and maybe they can develop him just like they did a, a former six round quarterback named Brady? Does he really believe that, or is this just hey, I'm just looking to uh, tank for Trevor Lawrence for 2021? Well, there's there is no way. Bill Belichick does not have tank in his vocabulary or system. Like he believes he believes in things that are tried and true. He believes in dominating lines of scrimmage. He believes in playing great special teams. He believes there are multiple ways to win games and he's proven it. Right? He's won a Super Bowl, he's won a championship with a great defense. He's won a championship with a great running game. He's won a championship with a great passing game. Like, he's done it all, and in the midst of doing all that, he's always played, or his teams have always played, exceptional special teams, exceptional situational football. And, and you know, here's the crazy thing about New England. Like, one of the things about them is their system is, we don't really have a system. Our system is we're going to do what's best for us to win football games And we're going to morph into whatever we need to morph into on a week-to-week basis, on a year-to-year basis. So if if you think that all of a sudden they're going to ask Jared Stidham to do what Tom Brady did in year 19, I think you're high. They're going to reevaluate what they are. They're going to change what they are. And they're going to morph into something that he can handle. Like, that's, that's what they believe in. And here's the interesting thing, and this is one of the things I love 
about you know following the league and being an analyst at Fox and, and and trying to follow pretty much everybody is I love the fact that the New England Patriots got into a draft situation where everybody panics and everybody reaches and people have to fill voids and they have to fill needs and so they've got a need and so they take a player that doesn't fit the system or doesn't fit um, the value, you know, the kind of quote-unquote value chart, but they reach for that that particular player anyway, and then they all act shocked when that player doesn't develop, and they fire a coaching staff for not developing that player. Here Bill Belichick comes in to this draft with a plan to take a quarterback, but every quarterback that he wanted went ahead of where he valued that guy at, and so what did he do? Did he trade up to get a guy? Did he waste another draft pick? No, he just said, well, screw it. <laughs> I'm not going to pick one up. Because one didn't fall into the value area where I where I look at that guy as, as you know, kind of where he should be taken. And I just, I look at that and say, to have that kind of discipline, one, you have to be a really good team to have discipline. Like, you have to, you have to look at your football team, the draft, as a way to develop depth. And you're drafting players that eventually, as you develop those players, they'll become starters. Bad teams are drafting for instant help. Like, hey, this guy's going to be our savior, right? That's what they do. And I find that part about the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick fascinating. Like, he's just like, hey, man, this is this is. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to reach for some guy that you know that is not going to make it, and you know, and and where I can get value on special teams or value as a backup O-lineman or value as a, a, a defensive back in that same spot as opposed to reaching for a quarterback that doesn't fit there. So, I, I you know, I, I look at that and I like that. And, and you know, I, I'm fascinated to see exactly how they, how they kind of morph their team into whatever it's going to be because they will. That's what they do. Yeah, and whether it's from New England – if you're watching New England or if you're watching Tampa, I mean, what the Patriots remain fascinating without even without Brady because you want to know what what's it been these last 20 years? Was it Brady? Was it Belichick? Yeah. And to me, I'll always go with the player over the coach. I'll always go, especially in the great sure. quarterback, great coach duos. I'll always take the quarterback over the coach, and I just get the sense here that. Belichick, the the his his ego is is such that you know he believe he believes he can win with just about any kind of quarterback. Not any kind of quarterback, but he, he doesn't. He needs a certain type of quarterback, but it doesn't need to be somebody that necessarily goes in the first round. And so, I, I'm I'm fascinated to see how it works out. I I think he and I think the Patriots fans are going to be disappointed because. You know, it, it it still comes down to the quarterback, and it, it was Brady all this time. It was Brady, not Belichick, and I think it's going to be proven out this year. Yeah, but here here's the fascinating point: is whoever the next quarterback is, Brady wasn't the Brady of of last year in year one. Remember, you know they 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 relied on a great defense, great special teams, running the football. Like Brady evolved into that. And now they're going to go back. They're kind of going to de-evolve or de-recruit and start over again. And they're going to build a system based upon 
what Stidham's skill set is, what what it isn't, and you know, and and it, it'll just be fascinating. That part will be fascinating. You know, I find it fascinating as Sean Payton said this last week sometime, and my son and I were discussing it. I just I just was like in total agreement. And I don't even know where it was, but he said something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing, so if I get it a little bit wrong, forgive me. But Sean Payton said, I mean, there's really only 10 relevant teams in the NFL anyhow. And I thought it was, I thought it was fascinating because it's true, Mike. There are 10 teams that drive this sport, and then there is everybody else, right? And, you know, there's the, the, there's the markets that drive like the markets, like Chicago's a big market, New York's a big market. Theoretically, Los Angeles is a big market, but, you know, the East Coast really drives those things. Um, so there's those those big market teams, and then there's those teams with just huge following. The Packers are a team that has a huge following, right? They, they move the needle. The Steelers move the needle. The uh, New England Patriots move the needle. And, and when you talk about it, you know, it goes all the way back to one of my first years in the league where Joe Gibbs had mentioned, hey, man, there's only there's only like 10, 12 teams that have a legitimate shot, have the ownership, the coaching, the organizational, you know, the organizational kind of um, protocols and, and systems in place to win a world championship. And. And I was like, at the time, I was a young player. I was like, oh, wow. And and, and Joe was like, and we're one of them. And, of course, we were. But it's a, it's amazing, right, when you start to think about it that way. Like, there's always going to be the outlier or two. But the bottom line, there's there's 10 or 12 teams that legitimately have the ownership in place, the coaching in place, the players in place, the, the just the culture in place to win a world championship. Well, I would also tend to put Philadelphia – in that in that class because they they won a Super Bowl so recently, but mm-hmm. <laughs> got got to wonder what the mindset is over there when Carson Wentz took the highest of high roads this week when saying about Jalen Hurts, hey, you know, whatever helps us win, and you know, it doesn't bother me, and I know they're committed to me, but right. come on, I mean, this this move certainly screams otherwise, doesn't it? Oh yeah, well, it, what it says to me is, I mean, think about think about what what Carson Wentz has put up with, right? He's the second overall player taken. Um, in his second year as a quarterback, he was kind of an MVP candidate. Um, in a game like Week Eleven or Week Twelve against the Rams, he dives in for an end zone for a touchdown, gets his leg hit while he dives in, tears his ACL, and. Then it's you know then it's Nick Foles to the rescue. They go on to win the Super Bowl and they they put a statue of Nick Foles out in front of Philadelphia Stadium, right? The, the, the link, like like really, is it the link over in Philly? I think it is. Uh, or Lincoln yeah. Financial, yeah. yeah. So I mean, like if you're Carson Wentz, really, like every time I walk into the stadium, I got to see Nick Foles, the 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 statue of Nick Foles, and then you know then they their second playoff run. He gets hurt again, and Nick Foles comes in as a savior again and, and takes him to another playoff run. Now, they don't go to the Super Bowl that year, but, you know, I mean, this is the story of his career is lack of availability. I mean, I think he's a, I think he's a fine young quarterback, a very good quarterback, but lack of availability is is his biggest thing. You know, he, he drove them. He started all 16 games, got them to the playoffs, and then got hurt in the playoffs. So, I mean, that's that's been his history. So, you know, you need some protection. I don't think that 
that Jalen Hurts is going to push him for his job, so to speak. But I do think there is an opportunity to create, you know, some plays, almost a, a Taysom Hill type of situation in Philadelphia like they have in New Orleans. Um, although I think, I think obviously Hill is just a more complete football player. I mean, he's running down on kickoff cover. You know, he's personal protector on the pump pro. I mean, he does – he he's he's far more valuable in my mind because he's far more versatile. He's lining up at tight end, at fullback, at you know, at wide receiver. He's doing all these different things along with playing some quarterback. So he's just a different animal. But um, you know, I still think there's some some value offensively into having a guy who is a you know a a threat as a gadget player to run it, to throw it, to catch it, to do all those things, and maybe. Jalen Hurts is that type of – well, he certainly has the athletic ability. You know, Stink, I'm staring out the window right now. Beautiful uh, Colorado day and mm-hmm. springtime and all the things that happen in the spring. The grass is greening up. Mm-hmm. The trees are, are blooming. Yes. The birds are singing. And another annual rite of spring, Cleveland Browns players are chirping. Oh Odell gosh. Beckham Jr. coming out this week saying he's going to have a – Big year, huge year, right? For him, he said him. He yeah. didn't really, he didn't really specify Cleveland. Mm-hmm. He said for him. Yeah, well, because uh, it doesn't winning. You know, winning doesn't matter as long as you put up stats, right? I mean, isn't that <laughs> what it's all about? Like, hey, if we go six and ten again, it's not a big deal. I mean, I'm going to get me mine. I, I just like you talk about T U R D turd. I, I just. And, you know, I know I'm going to get a bunch of people that are going to, you know, come at me, you know, get after me about, oh, you old, you know, you old head, this. And, (laughs) you know, I mean, Lord have mercy. Isn't this, I mean, this is the ultimate team sport. And you wonder, you know, you wonder why that guy is as talented as he is, is on his second team and why they don't win. Um I, you talk about the ultimate in selfishness, and you know I can go back to the boat trip. I can go, I can go back last season to the goat shoes that he gave Brady. You just talk about, it just that stuff is the ultimate in selfishness to me. The ultimate me guy, me, 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 uh, and and the Cleveland Browns. Like you guys ain't won jack squat. Remember last year when they amassed a bunch of talent and everybody thought, oh my God, they're winning the Super Bowl. All these. You know, it's funny because it's all the same people that uh, rate the draft, and we're here in Denver, and and I'm the only person in America that's like, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I get that Jerry Judy's a really good player, and that's great. In the deepest wide receiver class in the history of the NFL, you went wide receiver one, first round, and second round, and you neglected the the left tackle position in this draft, and you have a left tackle that has led the the hold or led the league in holding in three straight seasons. Like, you do understand there's an issue there, right? Well, but I think most people view you as a dinosaur. Well. You know, you're, you're from a, a time long forgotten, you know, when mm-hmm. when offensive am, linemen ruled right. the earth and right. I'm like, ran I'm like the show. A, you remember the show, uh, 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 what was it? What was the, Land, the Land of the, Land of the Land Lost? Before, no, Land Before Time. You know, they had the uh, that Land Before Time. It was a dinosaur. It was a dinosaur cartoon. They had, uh, uh, I think Petrie was a little pterodactyl, <laughs> and you know, and then Which they one had, had the Sleezax. 
The sleeve that was land before oh, time. Okay. Ooh, shaka no. No. Yeah. Yeah, that was a sleeve. Yeah, that was good. That was good. They did a replay of that one with a Will Farrell. Uh I land it was before. called Land of the Lost. Oh yeah, that was Land Be- Land of the Lost. I'm talking I'm getting my I'm Land Before Time was with with uh with the cartoon and my kids my kids ended up my youngest daughter was watching that and now my granddaughter is actually watching Land Before Time. Yeah. Great, great. Who would who are the main characters of Land like I know that oh uh Ducky was Ducky was one of the dinosaurs. Um Ducky Petrie was one of the dinosaurs. Um before hold on. Let me now I'm gonna look it up. Now you time. need to look it up. Now because now it's it's let me just look at the cast. <laughs> <laughs> cast the characters. Okay. Ducky was one there. Petrie was the uh, pterodactyl. Uh, Sarah was a little triceratops. She was Sarah, C E R A. Um, let me see. Sharp tooth was the, the, the sharp tooth was the, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex. He was, oh, the, he was the villain. He was the villain. Littlefoot was kind of the main character. Um, Spike, really good, really great acting, um, by Spike. So yeah, there was, uh, there was, uh, yeah, that was, that was Lamb Before Time. That was a, oh, oh, oh. What a great cartoon series. Great TV. Great TV. Yeah. Great yeah. TV. But uh, back back to your original point. Um, I don't, don't remember. Don't remember it. My it, was, original it was Odell point Beckham was. Jr. Oh, yeah. Turd. Uh, that was my, that was my, that was my point. You know, my point was, this is a, a, in case you didn't realize, this is a team. But, you know, here's the excuse. Like, team sport, yeah, but if I get mine, our team's going to be good. No, nah, that's not really how it works. But, um, you know, nice effort. Yeah, but isn't it kind of like that, though, when you talk about receivers? I mean. Oh, I think there's a lot of receivers that Ultimately, it comes down way. to production, and if you're producing. Yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's one of those guys that, if he loses and he's got great production, it's a great day. Yeah, if he loot, hey man, we're going out to the. You know, we're gonna go out and get. You know, we're gonna go out and get a meal, and you know, we're gonna celebrate. I had ten catches for 150. Hey, it wasn't me. I did my job right, so I can celebrate this loss. And, you know, if he loses and he doesn't produce, then he's pissed, right? They should have gotten me the ball more. You know, he's so he's one and of those And in fairness, guys. I don't think that puts him alone in that category of wide receivers, by the way, who think that way. No, I don't, I don't, think, so. I don't think it puts him alone in that category. But, um, I, you know, I mean, again, like you have enough of those guys on your team and you, you'll never win anything anyhow. So – you know, I mean, that's it. There's a reason it's really hard to win championships, and um, and you know, those type of players don't. Those type of players, in my mind, in the long run, don't really help you. But again, you know, I'm an old head, so you know, I know that many of you think it's all just about, hey, as long as my guy puts up fantasy numbers, we're good, right? Well, there's there's a reason some teams win and some teams don't. So just keep that in mind. All right, let's uh, get to uh, some question mark where we got a cool prize on the line. Yeah, the $75 gift bag from uh, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. You can check them out, sweetsweat.com. They've got all kinds of exercise and 
um, equipment and things. So they're going to send you a $75 worth of products. So go ahead, shoot, Mike. What do you like? All right, let's go with this uh, one. And with um, everything going on right now and the uncertainty of, of, of when and, and how the season will look when it starts, uh, typically this is the time of year we got uh, OTAs mm-hmm. and mini camps going on. Uh, one one uh, listener asked, uh, how much will that affect rookies and rookie free agents' ability to uh, make teams and make impact? Oh, I think it's I think it's going to be huge. I mean, you know, it's it's always funny because, like, I can draw things up, Mike, for you on a piece of paper or on a grease board, you know, in front of a room, and it can be crystal clear. It can look, you know, you can see everything, right? And it looks awesome. Uh, it never, ever looks that clean or looks that way on a football field. There's always shades of gray all over the place when you're talking about, when you're talking about, um, you know, football looks and, and where guys line up. And so um, you can have the whole playbook down, you know, when it comes to on paper. But on the field, it's a completely different story. The nuance of football is a lot of what's going to be lost. You know, one of the things that one of the things that has happened to me in this role as NFL analyst and and guy who calls games on Fox is you know, several different teams have reached out to me about coming in and and just talking to the offensive line coach, the coordinator about the nuance of of things. How would you coach this? Like this is a problem we have on our double teams, you know, like, what did you do? What do you like? What do you dislike? So, you know, I've had, um, I've had several different teams reach out to me this off season. Obviously I haven't been able to go yet because of, you know, of, of the pandemic that we're in right now. I just had another team, you know, I put this video out, uh, just recently, Mike, of just on, in, on, uh, social media, of, you know, offensive line being the truly skilled position players. I just had an NFL team reach out to me for permission and a college team reach out to me for permission to show it to their team. Um, You know, and it's about the nuanced aspect of football and why, you know, why it takes so much skill. And so uh, I think this really hurts football teams. I think that the fact that you can't put your cleats on the grass, you can't go out there and practice – you can't go out there and get a feel for what you're doing, and you can't see, you know, your eyes don't adjust to what it looks like on film versus what it looks like on a grease board. I think it's devastating to football teams, especially like the teams that have continuity, the teams that have been together for a long time, like the Saints come to mind right off the bat. Quarterback, head coach, they've been together forever. They understand what they're doing. Those teams have a huge advantage going into this offseason. Here's another one. Uh, Mark, you like to use the term football playing Jesse. What is a football playing Jesse? Um, you know, it's a great it's a great question. I don't like I don't just a guy that can flat play. Yeah. The the term and I don't know where the term originally came from. I know where I got the term from. I got it from my offensive line coach, uh, Alex Gibbs. And, you know, we would have these we'd have these unbelievable meetings and he would say things that were completely like politically incorrect. Like there's things he would say that in today's world, um, if they were public knowledge, um, you, you just get he'd just get fired. Like you, we can't have you here anymore. Like, and he's every day he would say those things. We used to keep. I still have it. Um, we called them the holy scriptures. And we had a guy on our team, backup player named Casey Jones, out of the University of Miami. 
Um, terrible, just terrible knees. Um, the best, maybe the best hands I've ever seen coming in as a rookie. Like he was, he was undersized, um, super smart, undersized player that had the best hand. I'm telling you, the best hands, the worst knees and the best hands. He had his knee replaced, one of his knees replaced. He was like 34 years old and had to have his knee replaced. They were so bad. Um, and he made it strictly on his intelligence and his hands. He was in charge of keeping the Holy Scriptures. And so anytime, like he had a notebook that had nothing, it was just the Holy Scriptures notebook. And anytime that Alex Gibbs would say something that was just outrageous, outrageous, um, everybody in the room would turn and look at him like, did you get that? <laughs> have, have you written that down yet? You know, and we'd like, so we'd have, you know, because you have, you got, you got your five starters and then you've got your, you know, five guys that are rotational backups and you always have a couple practice squad guys. So you got at least, you know, at least 12 guys in the room and every guy, every head would turn like, boom, right to Casey. You get it? You write that down? Okay, good. You got it? Great. And so I still have the Holy Scriptures. Um, I really can't share any with you. But one of the things he used to say is that dude is a football playing Jesse. Like, and, you know, and you just, it just was perfect, right? You could just tell. He's flying around. He's knocking people around. But why Jesse? Great. Why not Todd? He's a football playing Todd. Who Who is ever? Or football playing Brandon. Yeah, Brandon and Todd though those dead names don't play. Like Brandon Todd, Todd is at the country club. Right? He Todd wears an ascot. That's right. Right? He's got a mock turtleneck on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Underneath a cheesy sports, uh, it's cheesy sports coat that has the gold buttons that have like little pictures of yachts on them, yes, right? Yes. Little imprints of yachts. Yes. That's what Todd is. Todd. Todd's got the the sport coat with the padded uh, elbow patches. Right. You know what and I mean? And then and then what was your other name? Brandon. Brandon. Come on, that guy talks with a lisp. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, one more question. Uh-huh. Here we go. Okay. Mark, if the end of the world truly is upon us. What lawn item do you need to make sure you have with you? Um, what lawn? Not pro, but like, I, I think I have to take my mower with me, don't I? <laughs> I mowed again yesterday. Uh, how many times a week do you mow? At least, well. It depends on on my travel schedule when back when the world when you used to be able to travel. (laughs) Like Yeah. Yeah. Um I I had when I was working for ESPN Mike, I'd have these long stents. I would fly home like on a I'd do like T V Friday night. I'd fly home Saturday morning and get home, you know, whatever in the afternoon, um, take care of my yard. And fly back out on Sunday. I would literally, and they go, hey, can't you just stay through the week? Like, we got you for a an eight-day, nine-day period, right? Can't you just stay through the weekend? And I'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. I got to go home and mow my lawn. <laughs> and they'd be like, well, don't you have somebody? No, no, no. Nobody gets to mow. I mow my lawn. Well, can't you get? No, I can't get somebody to mow. <laughs> it's just, just a non-starter. Mow, right. I mow my lawn. So I literally, like, you know, and, and part of my contract was they had to fly me first class. I would literally spend $1,700 of their money 
flying home to mow my lawn. You know, most people would be like, yeah, hey, I want to get back. I want to, you know, hug the wife, kiss mm-hmm. the kids, maybe get a change of underwear. Nope, not with Sting. Nope. Got to go mow my lawn. I, and that happened. Priorities. M- yeah, multiple times in the off seasons, you know, in the off season. I mow my lawn regardless. I mow it at least two times a week. Um, right now, because of quarantine and because if, you know, I spent any more time with my beautiful bride, um, I may be sleeping in the basement soon, and then it may move to the garage, and then I may be just out of luck. Um, I ha- I'm out there at least three days a week now mowing. I mowed, I mowed. Uh, let me see. I mowed Sunday morning. Did I mow Sunday morning? No, I mowed Saturday afternoon and Tuesday morning, and then I will mow again. What is today? Wednesday. I'll mow again on Friday. Oh, it'll be glorious. Just All right. gl- glorious. Got to pick a winner. Yeah, you got. Yeah, it's that's on you. You got to pick a winner. And we had thank you to all of of you. We had, oh gosh, we had a ton of questions. Those are the three that we got to. But we had um, just a we we had probably thirty forty questions here. So go ahead. Who, who's your winner? Uh, I love the football playing Jesse Jesse question because you've used Do this you know? many many times yeah. over the years, and I've always wondered the uh, genesis of all that. Okay. All right. Well, I will. Uh, I will follow. This is Southern Grace that asked that question. Matt. Uh, <laughs> Matt Foley. Uh, <laughs> all right. He's gonna get. He's gonna get. Like, D, uh, here. DM me your address. There. I'm going right now. Me your address. All right. Perfect. Sounds good, buddy. All right, um, man. We will see. We will see exactly. Um, Exactly what uh, what happens on that. All right, man. For everybody involved in the Stink Truth Podcast, Mike, appreciate you, brother. For the great folks over at Sweet Sweat at SweetSweat.com for being the presenting sponsor. Also, Mark's All Pros, my referral network. Check it out at MarksAllPros.com if you feel so inclined. For everybody involved, we thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with you uh, next week.